Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. This show is made possible through the generous support of People Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about People Unlimited and their partner longevity experts in the Coalition for Radical Life Extension at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with a host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. John's guest is Dr. Abid Hussein, a fellow of the American College of Cardiologists and certified by the American Board of Anti-Aging Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Hussein is a physician at the Boone Heart Institute in Greenwood Village, Colorado, along with Dr. Jeffrey Boone, the Chief Medical Officer of the Asher Longevity Institute. The title of the show is Use of Peptides in Anti-Aging. Over to you, John. Well, Dr. Hussein, thank you so much for agreeing to come on again. Your last episode was so great and the response was so terrific. We just had to have on again. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So today we're going to talk about peptides, which is a uh, is a great subject. They've been around for probably 100 years, as you know. They've been uh, probably more popular in the EU and Russia and places like that than, than here in the U.S. So what's a little bit of history behind peptides? Could you just educate the audience on that? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think peptides have uh, become a hot buzzword right now because they've been much more utilized in the anti-aging industry uh, as of recently. But peptides have been around for more about 100 years or more. Uh, the first peptide being insulin. And, um, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's known in the, in the common lexicon. And it was discovered via animal, uh, animal research and animal sort of livestock uh, research, uh, trying to figure out what, you know, what uh, animal products worked on humans. And that's how they, they started working initially with uh, the first peptides. But the term is really just a very generalized term for a large amount of cell signaling molecules that our body uses. Well, let me go into the history a little bit more. Um, yeah, they started about uh, 100 years ago, and it, they were these products that were understood to do to have uh, properties in humans were all isolated from natural sources. So they were either plant extracts, or they were animal extracts, or even uh, you know hydrolyzed animal parts that were injected into humans that uh, showed the specific effects. And a lot of times they didn't know exactly what they were doing, but they were providing, uh, providing benefits. You know, a great example is uh, a peptide called cerebrolysin. It started out as a pig brain extract that was hydrolyzed and injected into patients that had vegetative states. And they started showing reversal or changes in their vegetative states. And then in the lab, they were showing improved uh, actual growth of nerve cells and neurogenesis. So this is still a product that's used now and it's been further evaluated and, and broken down into specific parts, but this product was created in the 1950s. So it, it's interesting, you know, that th this is where we have these stories of researchers going into the Amazon or 
into exotic places to find natural products. Uh, that was great until the 50s and then even into the 60s. But then shortly thereafter, the pharmaceutical formulation process became more refined and they were able to use uh, lab for formulation to create different peptides. And then with the Human Genome Project, we've been able to, you know, at the turn of the century, we've been able to further isolate specific sequences um, and not just uh, isolate them from nature. So now we, we know what specific sequences of proteins can have a certain effect. And then more recently, the reason for the explosion of peptides and sort of the democratization of it is that pharmacy sciences have been able to formulate peptides on a much smaller scale. Now compounding pharmacies have it uh, more within their ability to formulate and make them more available to the public. You know, as you said in the past, the EU has been ahead of the curve when it comes to peptides, especially the Russians, uh, because peptides, you know, a lot of them are performance enhancing substances. And the Russians have been all about getting an edge in the Olympics and in sports. And their athletes have been using peptides for decades. And so are those um, peptides now illegal or okay? Yeah, those peptides have all been banned by all of the sports regulating governing organizations like WADA, you know, and the Olympic uh, Association. Th those are not allowed in professional competition. How about Major League Baseball or hockey or professional? All of them. Major League Baseball, you know, I mean, most organizations won't even allow them in recovery from surgery or injuries. And uh, peptides have been proven to accelerate recovery from injuries. I'll be darned. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I saw one Russian study several years ago, specifically about anti-aging. Mm -hmm. Peptides were used and, you know, by the epigenetic clock, age was actually reversed by like 12 years, which is yes. totally amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's uh, certain peptides that will help to prevent the degradation of the chromosome length. You know, you would also known as the uh, telomerase inhibitors. You know, telomer telomeres are the proteins or the compounds at the end of our chromosomes that make them shorter as we get older. When they get to a certain point, we you know we go through programmed cells go through programmed cell death. Um, this prevents that shortening and provides for a longer lifespan. Uh, th that's one peptide. There's, there's a, approximately about more than 7,000 of them that have been isolated. And what, what's happened is Big Pharma has been using peptides for ages as well. Multiple medications have been created and are in use right now, but a lot of them don't reach the endpoints that they've expected, and then they become orphaned. And then, you know, their copyrights expire and nobody has continued to do research with them. So there's libraries of these types of compounds. Um, but when we re-examine these compounds and look at the other endpoints, we find out that there are still a lot of benefits or they needed to be used in a different format. Um, the thing with Peptides, also one of the things that makes them more available now is uh, peptides have a short lifespan to them and recent technology has been able to extend the lifespan enough so that it, they're, they're useful viably in a clinical setting. I, but that's one of the reasons why many of the peptides have to be injected. Give the audience a sense of the lifespans have gone from typically, say, a day to a month or what, you know, what's, what's been the benefit? No, we're talking about seconds to minutes. Oh, <laughs> seconds to minutes. So you, that's why you have to inject it so it goes in there right away. 
Yes. Once it's in your bloodstream, how long does it have the, the intended effect? Well, it depends on what it's been bound with. But to, so let's take growth hormone, for instance. You know, they're one of the most popular peptides uh, that are being sold right now are growth hormone releasing hormones and growth hormone releasing peptides. And what these are, are either, these are natural products that our body makes to stimulate the release of growth hormone from our pituitary. So it promotes and, and optimizes our natural growth hormone releases and the timing. So this medication only lasts 20 minutes. Uh, it's got to be taken at the right time frame and with you know, the right conditions of fed state, but it only lasts 20 minutes when you take the ingestion. Why would that be a benefit? Because uh, unregulated extended growth hormone stimulation uh, can lead to overall organ growth that our body can't control. So it, uh, that's something that we don't want. The benefits of growth hormone happen because they're pulsatile and they happen in multiple short bursts throughout the day. But our largest burst is at night when we're sleeping to have the most recovery. If we have continued growth hormone stimulation that our body cannot decrease and regulate, then we get organs that grow that we don't want to grow. Got it. Although I wouldn't mind having a bigger heart. Well, you know, you would think that, but, uh, you know, the, if, if we look at uh, people with um, acromegaly, which is a natural growth hormone excess, uncontrolled growth hormone excess, they come down with premature coronary artery disease or heart failure. Ooh, not good. Yeah. So you, you don't, everything in, in nature and our bodies is about finding the sweet spot, finding that therapeutic window. So then why would you want to stimulate um, growth hormones? What's the benefit? Uh, well, because growth hormone is, you know, unofficially is the fountain of youth. It's the thing that's optimized when we're young and done the right way. Growth hormone will increase or improve your metabolism. It will improve fat oxidation, which is our op optimal way of generating energy and optimal type of metabolism. It will improve lean body mass. It'll keep you, uh, it'll improve brain health. There's uh, studies to show that it may help with dementia prevention. It helps to keep people active, healthy, uh, repairing from injury. It'll help sleep. It'll help reduce overall body aches and pains. It's not a joke that it's got, and it's could be considered a fountain of youth. John, John, excuse me, it's time for a quick commercial break. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. Now back to John and Dr. Hussein. So thank you for that information so far. It's terrific for our listeners, especially those who are, of course, older, which is which most of them, <laughs> including me. <laughs> so when, when, would you, um, when would you recommend people take the growth hormones and how often and once you get up, injected how long does it last you know how often do you have to, all that so, so give, give the audience some big picture on how you the growth hormone releasing hormones and growth hormone releasing peptides 
are just one of many of the peptides. And it's one of the few, well, it's a small subclass that influence that growth hormone release. The optimal time to take it would be at night so that you would optimize your, your daily nighttime release of growth hormone. And ideally, you wouldn't have any food or any calories an hour and a half before the injection. Take it five nights out of the week and uh, take it before you go to bed. It'll help you get into deep wave sleep and promote better sleep and uh, help you recover from any sort of daily exercise or, or fitness uh, or injuries that you might have had during the daytime. And uh, you'd ideally wake up uh, refreshed in the morning. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just one of the many peptides. There's another one that's well uh, studied. It's called BPC-157, which is called, which is also known as the body protective compound. And that's a gastric juice extract that helps to uh, improve gut health, uh, strengthen the lining of the gut. It's also uh, accelerates the healing of musculoskeletal injuries. It's a general anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. Uh, overall, it's, uh, there's also really no downside to taking that. That's the other thing about peptides, which is very interesting. They're very well tolerated since they're, um, they're natural products and, we're, and that's what we're basically giving ourselves. There is a, a high amount of tolerability and virtually no toxic dose for most peptides. Why hasn't Big Pharma been really big on this? Because injection is not a good route for delivery, not easy way to disseminate to the masses. They, they want it to be in a pill form, and uh, it still hasn't been perfected in a pill form. There's a, a handful like BPC-157, which can uh, survive the gastric environment, but most, for the most part, peptides are too sensitive to be able to do that. That being said, Big Pharma has adopted peptides. It's just certain ones that can be blockbuster medications or have met their endpoints. I mean, the most popular ones right now are in the diabetic arena, Ozempic or uh, semiglutide or semaglutide, liraglutide. Uh, there's a whole class of glucose-reducing medications called GLP-1 receptor agonists. Those are re most recent peptides that have been hot in the uh, pharmaceutical world. So Ozempic is a, is a peptide? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because when you see the ads on TV, it doesn't say it's a peptide. <laughs> yeah, that, it definitely is a peptide. Um, and there's others out there. They've been there for, for many agents, but they don't really need to make that classification. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, back to the um, arresting the telomere shortening. What is the peptide that's used for that? That one is called uh, epitalon. And that one, I think, is uh, there's a Russian scientist who's done a lot of research on the use of uh, epitalon. I think his name is uh, Calvinzin, and uh, he has shown um, changes in longevity benefits from it. And he will do uh, a cycle uh, a few times a year with different variations of sort of the, the dosing. I don't remember what the protocol is specifically, but it's a specific uh, epitalon-based protocol. There's an awful lot of people listening to this who are, uh -huh. you know, the age group probably probably 50 or older, maybe a lot of 65 or older mm -hmm. as well. And so the, the natural question comes up, if I'm in pretty good health, so I'm not trying to fix a specific thing, in order to just live longer, what would be the top five or three peptides you would recommend people start taking? 
the top three, well, one of those in no specific order would be the BPC-157 because that will help your body maintain good, generalized, normal health. It's a, uh, you know, we'd have to heal regularly on a daily basis. And oftentimes chronic injuries start to catch up with us and keep us from doing the activity that we want to do or maintain the health that we want to. BPC is one of those that I recommend cycling regularly just so that we can give ourselves that boost to heal if we need it. And if that's available orally, which is, makes it a little easier to deliver as well. Uh, but it's also available as an injection. Uh, and definitely if you have a musculoskeletal injury, that helps. Uh, the second one is that... I'm sorry, it's EPC-157? No, B is in boy, BPC. I got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that one has a lot, of, a lot of data behind it. That's been, I think it might be one of the most researched uh, non-big pharma peptides. Uh, most of the research is international, but uh, it has a lot of uh, uh, backing up to support its use. And, and there's still studies being done on its benefit in cardiac arenas, and, I mean, almost everywhere. The second one is that growth hormone releasing hormone, growth hormone releasing peptide. There are many formulations out there. The one that I use most often, and you probably, if you've seen them on TV, these commercials for these, or even online, it's called CJC and ipamorelin. Those are it's a combination of two compounds, and um, I cycle that regularly with patients that are interested in performance, or even patients that are interested in uh, longevity, because the metabolic benefits are impressive, as well as all of the other uh, benefits that I alluded to before. I mentioned before. Just say the names again. CJ. Yeah, CJC. So uh, C is in Charlie. J is in Juice, and C is in Charlie. <laughs> and plus, you said something else. Yeah, ipamorelin is the other compound. I P A M O R E L I N. And is that also orally? Uh, no, that's an injectable. There's some pharmacies that formulate a trochee, which is a su- the sublingual. Uh, dissolvable uh, gummy or type of uh, compound. And uh, the delivery in that uh, form is not as reliable, but it works for some people. All right. So you can get it from a compounding pharmacy? Yeah. Yes. The third one is something called thymosin alpha one. And that is a immune modulator. The thymus gland is one of those glands that uh, it sits in the lower part of the neck near the clavicle area, and it is intimately connected with our immune function. It reduces output of uh, its products as we get older, and it can lead to weakened immune system or decreased immune function. Uh, and then it can also get dysregulated if we have chronic immune problems. The environment that we live in now is increasingly toxic, and there are challenges to our immune system that are happening more and more frequently and even you know, undetected by us. So giving yourself a boost of the thymus peptide is, is also a helpful thing to do as in, a, in a cyclical manner. Those are three of some of the most commonly used products. Um, and yeah. Is it an injectable too or only an injectable? Yeah, that's an injectable also. Um, 
there's international data on the use of thymus, thymus and alpha-1 for COVID, for um, chronic immune conditions, for autoimmune conditions, anything that involves dysregulation of the immune system. Yeah, you know, the um, from what I've read, the thymus gland is pretty much shriveled up and dead by age 70. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a particularly good one for people over 70. Mm-hmm. And all three of these uh, you could conceivably take continuously if need be. Uh, but I prefer cycling them on and off. And depending on the age and the need, that could be three times a year, uh, anywhere, well, actually anywhere from twice a year to four times a year. So four or five times. So maybe kind of almost like once a month, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so all three once a month, or you cycle them, or yeah, I would cycle them. Yeah, that, well, when, when I say once a month, it would be a one month cycle. So they'd be on it for a month, and then off of it for maybe two, three months, on it again for a month, because because peptides work in a in a pathway specific fashion, most of them. So they're not specific targets, but they stimulate uh, effects that go down in a, in a cascade type of uh, manner. So Doing it once, um, it, you know, it'll doing it as one dose, one isolated dose is less effective because the, if the effect gets disseminated to the body and it's and it sort of needs to be done in a repeated, constant manner for a little bit of time. Got it. Well, thank you very much for that, John. John, it's time for the wrap up. Geez, it can't be, Dave. Time wow, over. that's quick. <laughs> well, thank you uh, so much, Dr. Zane. This has been uh, great because it's a uh, very controversial subject, uh, as you know, uh, for, uh, for a number of uh, reasons. Mm-hmm. And so if people are interested in this, how can they um, get a hold of you? Well, I think uh, one quick thing I do want to mention, uh, as you talked about it being controversial, peptides are part of the leading science. And a lot of these peptides are, uh, have animal studies to support them, but a limited amount of uh, human studies, which is why the FDA uh, does not approve the use of peptides. Um, so if you're going to use them, make sure you find a practitioner that knows what they're doing and has been well studied. I use peptides because I've been studying them for years, and, and, and I work with the uh, SEEDS Scientific Research and Performance Institute, and they specialize in peptides. Um, but you can find me at the Boone Heart Institute uh, in Greenwood Village, Colorado, and also in my in the sort of the sister practice of the Boone Heart Institute, which is Interlinked MD. Okay, good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So just one final question to wrap up. Why is it that there are so few human studies? Because the benefit seems to be so great. Because there's very little funding to support it. If it uh, doesn't have a big company to, to, to try and take it to market as a blockbuster drug, then there's nobody to fund the research. And it's got to be done by grassroots methods. Yeah, got it. That's, that's the case for so many things. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Dr. Hussein. It's been terrific. I'm sure the response is going to be great again. Mm-hmm. And uh, ah, hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be it would be terrific if the uh, we could come on again and, and talk about testosterone. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. That's you two perfect. let me know when and uh, I'll, I'll be here. Thanks right. again. Thanks so much. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. 
Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. That's AsherLongevity.com. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us that looking after our health today gives us better hope for tomorrow. This concludes another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire.